everybody. Welcome back for another week of the Weekly Impact Podcast. I am Brent Smith. Uh, today we were joined by uh, Michael Miller, Daniel Yelverton, and Pastor Phil is joining us today. Say hello, Pastor Phil. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you might add a little more than that. Hi, everybody. <laughs> uh, today is Tuesday, September 4th, and we are on 1 Corinthians 14. <laughs> so... Um, before we get into this chapter, is there anything that we need to know before we move into it today? Yeah, so one thing that we talked about uh, this past week when we were doing uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is understanding the context of the chapters, that these are full letters that Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, and that Paul was actually answering specific questions. And you can see that he says, hey, in regarding your question about this. So they uh, the, the Corinthian church had a question about spiritual gifts, and so... Paul was answering that question from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 all the way to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So we are at the tail end of Paul's explanation for this. So if there seems to be some confusion or if you're not getting the whole picture, make sure you read all three chapters to get kind of a better understanding of what Paul is trying to convey about spiritual gifts. And so we also, Pastor Phil talked about... um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on Sunday morning, and so you can kind of bookend from Sunday morning to today, and then of course everyone is very familiar with uh, the love chapter, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians <laughs> chapter 13, and so that was yesterday in your reading, and so you can kind of put them all together to, to kind of formulate an overall answer that Paul is giving the, the Corinthian church. Great. Thank you very much, Daniel. All right, you guys, uh, this is the Dwell app with today's reading. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world. And none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. 
I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. All right, you guys, so that was the Dwell app, reading our chapter of the day today. Um, what sticks out to anybody in here? What do you guys want to get into first? Wow. <laughs> wow. I, um, if, this, if this chapter scares anybody or weirds anybody out, you're not alone. I have been processing this since 1997. 
<laughs> and uh, I've done a lot of study. And um, there are just it, – it's really – it's really divided. You know, you have some people when, when, when talking about tongues, prophecy and the gifts of the spirit, as we, uh, looked at this, uh, this past Sunday in, in first Corinthians 12, um, there are some people who believe that those, uh, gifts, uh, went away after the apostolic, uh, season or, uh, what would you call it? Apostolic, uh, Period, period, thank you, Um, after the church was established. Um, I don't see any indication in Scripture that the Holy Spirit just decided to go away (laughs) and take those away. (laughs) However, I do believe that there are seasons in seeing a different move of God's Spirit, and I do believe that uh, God's people need to really start seeking the heart of God and asking God to move in their lives on the behalf of the church. Because when we see the church being built and revival, revival is simply life change happening uh, in in a multitude of people. Um, we see it as stirred of the Holy Spirit. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, harmonious thing when God moves and has his way and people surrender to God. However, it is very chaotic and very destructive mm-hmm. when it's driven by the heart of man and the flesh of man for personal gain, personal use, wow. even personal pleasure. And I think a lot of uh, us and the listeners here would probably say that you've experienced more of the latter uh, than the first one of unity and just seeing God move. And I've been able to actually experience both sides, more of the negative. I grew up in a uh, denomination that um, really believed in this and, and had, I believe, good intention. It just was really chaotic and there was no benefit uh, uh, to the church body other than everyone's going crazy right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I would, uh, as a kid, I'd always laugh. It was funny to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think Paul's answering these questions, I think is just phenomenal for us to understand how the church in corporate setting should function. Mm-hmm. And so real quick, just to kind of bring clarity to the tongues, and then uh, you guys feel free to chime in. There's three specific tongues. Some people say there's four. Um, and I'll get to that in a minute. The first one is a foreign language that we see in Acts. When the Spirit comes to Pentecost and fills them, they're speaking in other languages that foreign languages, earthly dialects that other people are understanding. And what they're understand,ing is the gospel message. Mm-hmm. The G, what Jesus has done and people are understanding it in their foreign language. And they think uh, the, the people who maybe aren't German and they're hearing German, they think that these guys are drunk because they don't understand it. But then all of a sudden they hear another guy in their own language and they start to hear the gospel. So that's translated. So a foreign tongue is always translated. Yes. Then you have the second one, which is a heavenly or uh, angelic language, which we see uh, in First Corinthians, First Corinthians uh, thirteen, mm-hmm. verse one. Yes, um, that is interpreted, and this is where it can get chaotic because if you're speaking in a heavenly language, Paul says there shall 
always be an interpretation. Absolutely. Always. Because no one understands a heavenly language. It's an utterance that only God and the Holy Spirit and angels would understand. And so that has to be for the building up of other people. And in order to do that, you need interpretation. The third one, real quickly, is for intercession. Uh, some people say there's a there's a private prayer language, and then there's an actually intercession. I kind of put them two t- together. Um, so you have foreign language for translation. You have heavenly language for interpretation. And then you also have a heavenly language, which is private for intercession or prayer. So you have two public and one or two private uh, nice. languages there. The, I'll share a story because I think that the, uh, I think that the interpretation, translation, interpretation, either way, I think that's really important. And I had that, I had an experience with that. So like, my background, I come from Baptist world, okay? We, like, we love our Baptist listeners, by the way. Love you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're, 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 the way you said it, though, it sounded like an amusement park, well, right? <laughs> well, it, it kind I of was. Dollywood. It kind of was for me, <laughs> right? From Baptist world. I mean, we, we judged people who spoke in tongues, right? Mm. So I come from that, that background. Well, I, I had a really low spot in my life where uh, my faith had hit the floor, I was I was even pondering the existence of God, and um, something crazy happened. I, I was traveling with a friend. We went to Missouri for a chaplain conference, and we came back, and um, and I I shared some of my woes with him, and he is a Pentecostal guy, <laughs> and uh, he began. He said, "Mike, you mind if I pray for you?" And I'm like, "Sure, man. That's that's cool." And because I know how he is, I knew he was going to do this whole tongues thing. So, <laughs> so there he starts going, and I'm and at first I'm like, this is stupid, right? And then something crazy happened, and I'm not lying. <laughs> I have no reason to lie about this, right? I began to I began to understand what he was saying, hmm. which that's never happened again. And and I feel crazy saying this because I again I come from this world where that isn't a thing, right? But um, but sure enough, I, I began to under I began to understand just singular words first. Like I began to he he repeat, repeated things that I realized he was calling out God's name, and then I just began and it was a simple prayer. But I began to understand um, what what he was praying. So I, I became a believer in this stuff then. But I think that what Phil says is important to understand that there's that there's different types of tongues. And that an interpreter is important because God is not the author of confusion. And we'll get there. But I think I just wanted to share that story to just to throw some context in there because this thing's a real deal. And and like at the end of this chapter, Paul says, you know, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. So this this is something we shouldn't forbid. This is something we should talk about, and it's a good thing. And I think um I'm so glad you shared that story because we need to share more of those stories because just like in anything in church, uh, Christians sometimes, uh, more than, more than not, sadly, uh, give bad, um, bad experiences or bad, uh, perception of Christianity. So people have a negative experience and so they never go to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, people go to a traditional service or contemporary service and they have a bad experience about something and they never go back. Um, 
you know, I, I think that that's dangerous and that's not healthy because that's what Paul is saying is, is taste and see that the Lord is good. And sometimes we have negative experiences, but that shouldn't keep us from seeking the, the right spirit of God because God says all over the New Testament that he has such good things for his children through spiritual gifts and through the things that only the Spirit can provide. Mm-hmm. I think this, this, these specific giftings that we're dealing with in here, speaking in tongues and prophecy, um, I think we need to speak more about those openly because I think that I've never experienced more people talking about their spiritual gifts and going, I- I'm not crazy. Believe, promise, I'm not crazy yeah. when they're telling me about speaking yeah. in tongues, when they're telling me about their prophecy, their gifts and those things, because those are, out of all spiritual gifts, those are the ones that are really the most supernatural, like in the way that they just don't make sense to people who don't believe in them. Mm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. yeah. other spiritual giftings, it's a physical thing that you can, obviously it's they're all supernatural, but it's a thing that makes sense in this world to people. These things a little different. So I think it's something that we have to get more comfortable with and we have to talk about more often for that comfortability to come, for it to not be um, kind of a weird, you know, kind of hidden thing. It makes people feel shameful to to want to even talk about it. Mm. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, in my own personal experience, I've, I've come into contact with multiple people. I've had my own experiences where you're like, mm, I don't know if I should share this with anybody. Yeah. They're going to think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. We can't have that. If it's a spiritual gifting, you got to operate in it boldly and learn how to operate in that. And you're not going to do that if you hide it from the world. And again, like you said, Brent, you, you don't want to hide it because those giftings are given not for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is for the benefit of others. And mm-hmm. so that's why we have to have the right perspective of spiritual gifts. And so if you've missed uh, Sunday's message on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, definitely want to tune into that because that's what it's all about. And I think you we make a great point when, because <clears throat> it says that when, when Jesus uh, descended down to our lowly world and then he ascended, he also gave, this, he gave uh, gifts and he set captives free. And, and so this gift that we get, we get gifts from the Holy Spirit. It talks about that there's one spirit that gives the gifts uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then, but then Paul starts going into talking about we're all one body so that, that gifts are different. Everybody has been gifted in different ways, but we work together to create one body, and that is the church. And then Paul sandwiches everything with the uh, um, love. Love is the most important and most powerful gift. And and then kind of, <clears throat> I would say, a, a big part of this gift is, are you using your gifts in a way to edify people, to edify the body, and to glorify God? And, and so, and I think that really anything, spiritual gift, physical gift, whatever it is, can be used for our own selfish purposes. You can take the, you know, where you were born, what you inherited, things that God has given you that you didn't have any say of or any power over, you don't have any say over who your parents are or what they did for a living and what you have inherited from your parents. However, that's a gift from God, and that can be a gift that you can just say, oh, I'm kind of entitled to this. I own this. This is my gift kind of thing, and you can almost build it up to be like, this is something that I got because I am 
a spiritual superhero. Yeah, but and, and so yeah. I'm saying that like from a from a physical side, but from right. a, from a spiritual side, it can be the same thing. You can receive a gifting, and it, and Paul even says in the end of verse 12, he says that there's not everybody's been given every spiritual gift. You know, and so that means that none, no gift is greater than the other, that they all works together to create unity in the body and to edify the body as a whole. Because if you don't have an eye, then you can't see and your body's disabled, yeah. you know, but now you need an eye and the eye is important. But if you don't have a hand then you're still disabled. And if you don't have a foot, the eye is going <clears> to <throat> see the same thing over and over and over. You're, <laughs> the, foot, yeah. Yeah. the foot moves you and... Uh, transfers you to somewhere else. Exactly. So the eye's just going to be really bored for a long time. And that's where I think when we isolate like different spiritual giftings uh, to different denominations and we just kind of focus that, that we actually really hinder the unity of the body. And and we close our minds off to that the body's working as a whole, as a unit for the edification of Jesus, for the edification of the body, and for the glory of God, and for the propelling of the gospel. And I truly believe, Daniel, that if... Uh, local bodies of churches and the church as a whole began to operate in that mindset of how is this going to encourage and benefit someone else. And a lot of times when people truly are being led by the Spirit, they're not sure if they're going to share it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not saying, oh, I've got to get up there and share this. i got to go to... No, they're like, God, man, this is big. I have no idea if this person needs it or not. So I'm going to step out of the boat in Mm -hmm. faith and tell Michael or tell Brent or tell Daniel or tell the listener here what you're putting on my heart. Usually that's kind of the test. If you don't know Mm -hmm. and you're kind of uh, hesitant to tell somebody that, that's usually probably a sign. If you're just like, oh, i got to tell them because, man, it's going to make me look real good, Mm -hmm. you know. But if we start to operate, of, of wanting to not be a stumbling block, not wanting to cause confusion, but understanding and to draw people's heart to understand who they are and to bless them. Guys, we, I mean, the church would be a brand new church is because we're not operating out of personal gain anymore or look what I have to give or someone needs me. So I have a question, Michael. Oh, um, no. <laughs> since you you know you're the king of questions um question if, if indeed like okay the the, uh, paul is paul is, is is writing to the corinthians but not just any corinthians he's writing to the church he's writing to right. christians christians who have been spirit filled because when you're in christ that means you have the spirit dwelling inside of you so if indeed you have the spirit of god dwelling inside of you uh, which some people say filled with the Holy Spirit, and with that that's a whole other can we're not going to open. But um, if you don't have even that second that we talk about, the, the second tongue, which is just a heavenly language, a prayer language, if you don't have that, does that make you um, not truly yielding or seeking and desiring that from God? If you don't have it, you're going to hell. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I, feel like exactly. I need to put in like the uh, who wants to be a millionaire music. Yeah. Give us your answer, Mike. Make your choice. Uh, yeah. No, that, that's something I think that, um, look, first off, let me back up. I was joking, right? Yeah. There are people that believe that, and I don't believe that. I, I think that, that if you, you don't have to have the gifting of tongues specifically that, that show whether you have 
the Holy Spirit within you or not. So, yes, it can be evidence, and that's fine, but it's not like a mandatory thing, right? Yeah. I do think, Phil, that God gifts all of us with something. And it's funny because I've been teaching uh, Chinese kids English as a second language, and, and we I've been teaching this one lesson um, where the, if you guys remember Henry Winkler, the guy that was the Fonz, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, like he he writes children's books, and I have these stories about that, that he writes about himself, and but something that he says in this story is that we all have something special, and that we should dig deep to find it so we can share it with others. I think that's what these giftings are all about. Hmm. God may give you, Phil, a gift to speak in tongues. Daniel, he may give you the gift of prophecy, and he made Brent really, really good looking. You know? It's a spiritual <laughs> gift. Spiritual <laughs> gift, man. It is. <laughs> but, but all jokes aside, God, God has given you something, and, and I think we need to dig deep and figure out what it is so we can bless others. Yeah. Now, that might not be exactly the, the answer you're looking for, but that, that's, look, no, that's look my answer. That. I'm sticking to it. Fonzie. Yeah, just being prolific. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So go prolific. figure, right? I just, I just know that there is, there's a lot of people um, out there, and even pastors and leaders. It doesn't mean that you're ultra spiritual if God has gifted you with tongues. I will say this: that you know, like you said, Paul says at the end of fourteen that we should desire these things. Why? It's because God does something. He, he reveals his heart through the spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. whether it's teaching, whether it's healing, miracles. It's God working. So don't we want to be a part of that? Yeah. Don't we want to be a part of saying at the end of a Sunday service, wow, God came through. God spoke to people and people were blessed and people were drawn to his heart and people came to salvation. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. We should want that. We should want that. And so I do believe that everyone has access to spiritual gifts, but I believe that then God chooses, mm-hmm. God chooses of what he wants to bless his children with. Yeah. You know, I throw something else out there with that because we've talked about how these these gifts are really to bless others. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to have a minor disagreement with one of them, with the tongues piece, because well, as you mentioned, there's, there's several types. That intercessory prayer language type of tongues that's for you. Now, don't get me wrong. We're praying for others. We're point, but I think that's a special mm. gift that God gives you to connect at a deeper level with, with him. him. So, yeah. and I think that's the reason why. Well, that's uh, why it says it's, it's a private. It's a yes. private tongue. If it's public, it's for others. Yeah, he says in verse 6, Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge? It, and he's talking about the heavenly language, prayer language yes. there. Not the foreign language that other people can understand yes. as a sign. Yeah. So, I mean, there, some of the stuff is, is, for, is, is for us. Because you kind of, you know, you got to have your, your cup filled if we're going to help fill other people's cups. So, that's just a thought. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, because I think that... I think the challenge is is that, and Paul even says that pursue love at the very beginning, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And, and I think the, the danger that we get into when we begin to prioritize, or idolize, or make uh, one gift more spiritual or mm-hmm. more like uh, more higher up on the spiritual scale than we do the other giftings. 
And so I think that that's, um, I think that's the dangerous place. I think that's a dangerous place, especially when it comes to gifts that aren't easily understood that you, people can look at somebody and be like, wow, like they're super spiritual. Like I wish I had my relationship with God like they do, or man, if only I could get to that level of like spirituality, then people would really recognize. And, and that's when that the heart starts to then manipulate, uh, spiritual gifts and starts to, and you can do that with anything. Yeah. I mean, you think about any gift I could sit there if I'm, if you know, if I'm extremely wealthy, um, which is very a hypothetical thing. Uh, but if I'm, if I'm extremely wealthy, I have the ability to be generous or I have the ability to be selfish and have the ability to flaunt that wealth if I want to. And I think with any gift, you have the ability to be generous or you have the ability to, to flaunt and to, to elevate yourself in the process. And, and so, and I think that, and what, what's, what's really interesting is that we really admire the people that are really gifted and are very generous, don't we? Yeah. I mean, we always look at that where whatever it is, whatever, if they are really gen, if they're, if it's a wealth thing, if it's a, if it's a time thing, if it's a, uh, spiritual gifted thing, whatever it is, we admire the people that are generous. And so I think that in all of these things and all of the giftings that God has given us, but especially when it comes to these spiritual giftings that are not totally, I would say like understood and not always evident and not always available to every single person or not, not necessarily available, but not everyone has these giftings, right? right. Mm-hmm. right? It's, it's we need to make sure that we don't prioritize one over the other because Paul even says this in Romans 12. He says, if you're gifted in these different ways, just do it well. If you can teach, then teach others well. If you can encourage, encourage well, you know, you if, do you. Yeah. I mean, it's basically saying like, like we are all part of a body. So serve one another and love other people and elevate Christ in the process, and not just at the, and that's, and I think that's where it can just get really, um, it gets dangerous. It gets dangerous when we begin to start feeling entitled with our spiritual gifts, or start to use our spiritual gifts to to elevate ourselves, and not necessarily for the benefit of other yeah. people. Um, well, before as we're winding down, we we talked a lot about tongues. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to forget the second half of this chapter. So I want to talk about that for just a minute Mm -hmm. because there's some really important stuff and there's really some controversial stuff here. So I think it'd be not fair if we just skipped it because I can imagine people like, you didn't talk about the women thing. Like, yep, we skipped right out of that. Right? (laughs) Do we ever avoid controversial things here? Oh, my goodness. We hit all the controversy here. So so let me frame this. The second half of this chapter Uh, Really starting in, we'll say, eh, 26, so maybe the third quarter of the the chapter. Mm -hmm. We're talking about orderly worship. Mm -hmm. That is important to note, that that there's a worship, not not that worship has to go in a specific order, but it should be orderly, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, they, they talk about hymns and sharing and how many people share and that kind of thing. The idea, again, is is to have some kind of organization with it. Now, if you skip down to verse 35... Oh, no. Right. As a matter of fact, we'll go up to verse 34. Yeah. Yeah, it's like halfway through 33. Yeah. So it says, The women should keep silent in the churches. Uh-oh. <laughs> right? For they're not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. <whistles> right? For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Oh, snap. Right? <laughs> so... Keep in mind, people, we're talking about being orderly in church. And so Paul, as, as, as Phil said earlier, he's responding to questions. Mm-hmm. So I want to, let's, let's go in our time machine and let's move back a couple thousand years and let's imagine what's going on in this church. You likely have men and women sitting in different areas. You have women who weren't educated 
necessarily. Some may have been, but a lot of them had. A lot of women had never been in an educational setting before. Yeah. They've never learned how how to be a part of a congregation. Some of them. So could you imagine if it just takes two or three women shouting across the room to their husbands, "Hey, what does this mean? What is this preacher talking about?" And imagine. You've all been into a back room with kids when the acoustics aren't good, right? Mm-hmm. Two or three kids getting loud, and you can't hear anything. Yeah, I think, and I might be wrong, I think Paul is addressing this because that is causing disorder in the church. Mm-hmm. It's probably getting loud. It's getting confusing. They didn't have microphones. Mm-hmm. So uh, imagine that chaos, and Paul's basically saying, Lady, shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not a gender thing. It's a situational thing. You can imagine if there were, if it was children that, that Paul would have said, children, shut up. If it was men, he would have been like, guys, shut up. The point is, is to have order in the service. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot more to this passage, but I just wanted to shed a little bit of light on the context here. So we're not basically today at Elevation Community Church saying, listen, honey, you're not allowed to talk here, you know? <laughs> Do you have anything to add on that? <laughs> yeah, I when I was reading this, it's just kind of like it almost just like like hits you in the gut for a second when you read it. You're like, because you're like, oh, you know, like yeah. like we're watching like Fail Army or something mm-hmm. like that. And, and so I, uh, but I, I really think that what we have to understand is not only what Paul's getting across here is he's talking about the orderly worship. He's talking about how the church should conduct himself and it's in a way so that it edifies each other and that it is an opportunity for non-believers to come in and experience the love of Jesus and not get uh, turned off or turned off or offended by something that was going on in the church. That's why he didn't say, don't speak in a ton of tongues all at once because you're going to be like the non-believers are going to come in and they're going to be like, these people are all crazy. And then they're going to leave and they're not going to be able to chance to be, to receive what Jesus has for them. And so, and I think when I, when I read this, it really brought me back to Acts chapter 15. And I know we talked about this, about the Council of Jerusalem, where the apostles sent out letters to all the churches saying that, hey, they didn't have to be circumcised because that was a big deal back then. It was like, you know, Jesus was Jewish. So if you want to be a Christian, you've got to be a Jewish and to be Jewish, you have to be circumcised. And so that was like all of the people that were Gentiles were like, whoa, whoa, I don't know if I want to believe in this Jesus dude, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not down with the surgery, you know? And so raising my hand, it's a little, it's a little tougher a when you're not an infant. Yeah. 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 I, can, I can imagine. And so, uh, so yeah, so that was, that was a huge issue with the church. And so they got together and they were like, this is not beneficial because Gentiles are not coming to know Jesus because there's a barrier here. And they said, all right, well, here's what we are going to say. We're going to say, hey, abstain from sexual immorality, avoid, uh, stay, stay away from the meat sacrifice from idols and drinking blood, you know, of the animals. And so basically you're like, those are really arbitrary. What does that even mean? And, and they were saying that basically there's a lot of Jewish believers and those three things are going to be so offensive to the Jewish believers that just don't do those things for the sake of the body so that people don't get offended and they get turned away and there's division in the church. And so that's where I feel like this same vein is coming in. Yeah. This is not that we needed to degrade women. It's it's don't do whatever you can do. Avoid the offensive. Avoid what's going to be offensive within your culture. You know, like avoid like throwing, you know, throwing snakes in the crowd and stuff like that. You know, yes, I mean, that's guests are not going to, that's not going to be a part of the guest experience. You know, we're not going to throw snakes in people's faces, you know? Uh, And so avoid what's ever offensive so that people can get a chance to know Jesus in the process. And and that's what I think about when I, when I see this and that, 
the cultural context, it was it was a culture back then that women did not have the same say, um, power. Uh, they were they were just in a different uh, socioeconomic status back then, and so this is just really let's let's have a orderly, non-offensive service. Our our day and age is different. Our day and age is different in that we we see this as we there's a lot more and let's not bash the early church. It was light years ahead of its time when it came to equality Absolutely. of people. Mm-hmm. That there were so many women and children of the new converts of Jesus because everyone was seen as equals in the eyes of Jesus, and that was huge because that was unheard of. Yes, and so this is really not to bash or to degrade women. It is just say, hey, let's let's have order, let's not be offensive. And let's bring people to Jesus and let them to experience his love. And I think that's the application that we can take today is do whatever we can to prevent any barriers that prevent somebody from coming in and experiencing the love of Jesus in our churches. And that's and that's what we do here. Yeah. That's the reason why we have a baby cry room. So we're not causing this problem. Yeah. So so maybe in our culture it's more, you know, toddlers and babies and we and we have means to, to help with that, you know, and like with order of service, like I know Brent, you work really hard throughout the week to make sure that the musicians are on point and like everything is practiced. There's an order of songs. Mm-hmm. You guys, you know, I've seen some of your brilliance. Like you guys work hard with that stuff Thank you. in the pastoral staff. It's not like they just get up and they wing it. Yeah. They work yeah. all week to prepare an orderly message. And it's funny that, that sometimes some of the things that seem uh, almost like winging it, are made to made to look that way. <laughs> like there's a lot of thought that goes into the order of, of services, and it's because of this chapter. Because yeah. we're told to be orderly, and and, and, I, and I like how you're you're saying that it's we're orderly for the benefit of others. It's to not offend others. We want to to present. So people get judgmental about that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's just a show. It's a performance. A little bit because it's supposed to be. We're, we're honoring God in our performance, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's not about, it's not about us. It's about, it's about others and it's about the Lord. And we need to put it in a good effort and have good order mm-hmm. to make this thing work because that's what we're told to do. And yeah, not only absolutely. that, I mean, like if the worship team gets up there and everyone's off key and all the instruments are off key and somebody comes into the church that doesn't know Jesus, they're going to be like, man, they don't even care or they're terrible right. at this. Like, I, I don't want to experience this at all. And so... That's part of it. Part of it is like we want to put our best not only for to honor Jesus in the process, but we want somebody that comes in that maybe doesn't know Jesus or has bad church experience, and we want them to experience Jesus in a whole and just in a way that's that's honoring of Him, but also is pleasing. Like it, it, you know, there's a reason why there's good notes and bad notes. You know, that you know, (laughs) and and because the the and Paul even talks about that that he is like. You know that if if I say and if I if I'm doing something that no one understands or no and then it's really, it's like if you play the flute and you don't play it the right way, yeah. you know, then you, it's offensive. It it hurts. Mm-hmm. It it makes people cringe. You know, and so it's do like that things, feedback noise. Yeah, do things really <laughs> well, and that's why I I'm so. You know, I love our worship team. I mean, uh, you've got one vocalist, Lainey. She's amazing. I mean, she is <laughs> nice, out of this world. There's and no so, bias there at all. None, none, none whatsoever. <laughs> you know, before we pray, can I can I can I give a shout out? Like, we have, we do a good job, and I know this sounds self serving for us, but I mean, Brent, you do a fantastic job. So does Bill. So I mean, so does, and we have the the um the what's what's the team I want to call that. The tech team? The tech team. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm stumbling over words, right? <laughs> yeah, the tech team is fantastic. Yeah, I, I was. I was before we recorded the podcast. I, I was out sitting outside uh, of of our little room where we're at, and sitting out in the, in the sanctuary. And I just sat down. I was looking up at the projectors and the lights and the instruments and the speaker systems, like. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, and y'all do a fantastic job of of having an orderly worship service with a lot going on. Yeah, so it's it's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, I it's funny. um, My mom has actually started helping us out with some of the stuff on the team, and um, on on the tech side of stuff. And uh, she actually came and sat in the first meeting. So a lot of you, if you don't know, um, if you come here to our church, right before the surface, or service for about 10, 15 minutes, we as a, a worship team overall and whoever's giving the message for the day typically, um, we all go back to our larger staff room and we meet and we go through every detail of the service and how it's going to play out, how we've planned it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about all of our cues, all that kind of stuff, and then we pray together over the service, and we just basically tell God we want Him to be honored in whatever we do. So we always make it a priority to keep our uh, our eyes and our ears and our hearts open to the leading of the Spirit because we call a lot of audibles too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one amazing thing about the team is that everybody is just so willing to go wherever it goes. We can have this plan. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, that's completely different. We got to go in this direction instead. And everybody just rolls with it. And it's yeah. awesome because those usually end up being some of our better experiences yeah. with the Holy Spirit. Um, but I will say too, um, like my mom and other people that come in and see that afterwards, um, they're like, I had no idea. I had no idea that you guys put this much into it. I had no idea that there was this much about it that you yeah. guys have to do behind the scenes that we don't even notice. And that... Truthfully, that is just a compliment in itself because if we're doing it well enough that people don't even know that all that's going on, mm-hmm. then that's awesome. We're doing a good job. And then and there's we're, the we're being good stewards on top of it that there's a whole separate operation. So the the point is, is this church understands <laughs> that was a zipper, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, this church really understands order. They really understand the second half of this chapter and work really hard and making sure that things are, are done appropriately at the right time and the right place. Yeah. And there's a lot of work behind the scenes. And I'm very thankful for the, the staff and, and for the volunteers that, that do such a great job. Awesome. Thank you. One last thing I will say is Daniel was speaking on, um, and, and you were as well, about it being a little bit of a production because of the order of service that we're called to. You know, um, we put a lot of time and effort into rehearsals and things like that because if we hit a wrong note or sometimes if a if a song just train wrecks which is what we call it when just everything falls apart <laughs> um which thank god that doesn't happen here very often um that in itself is a disservice to people who are experiencing the holy spirit in that moment because yeah. it pulls them out and makes them focus on that rather than their connection with the holy spirit and i've talked to multiple people who you know they're not a big fan of a church like ours that does it on a little bit of a larger scale when the production side of things because they think that that's just wrong that you're not supposed to do that they've been places and experienced things where they just think that it's supposed to be one person with a guitar and no plan and that's great too in a way but um you know, we look at it like we're called as God's children. We have a high level of excellence that we're called to because of who our creator is and who we acknowledge and have a relationship with. So we, at this church, we've made a conscious effort to try to do things as well as possible. 
And even, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, I felt called to just do an acoustic set, right. just me and the guitar. But that was there was still a lot of thought and rehearsal that went into that because even, well, even though we just had the, even just it, deciding to do that, there's a lot of thought and planning yeah. that goes in just making that decision. Yeah, even for me, there was a lot of uh, talking to the Holy Spirit and praying and listening and just double checking and triple checking. Just be like, God, are you sure this is what you want us to do today? Right. So you know, just know that if you come here or if you're thinking about coming here, a lot of that goes into it. So don't let the production side of things make you think that we're turning it into something unnatural. We do quality production because we feel like that is a good way for us to serve the congregation and to serve the Lord. It's So anyway. It's worship. It's not just to... Pref- it, the preparation is worship. Yeah. The life is worship. Yeah. The practice is worship. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So that when we do it on Sunday, it can truly be worship yes. without being pulled in different directions. Yes. And um, so anyway, enough on that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up here. Uh, it's a little longer today than normal, but that is absolutely fine. We'll blame it on Phil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael, would you pray us out today? Sure, I'd love to. Thank you very much. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, first we um, we want to praise you and thank you um, that that what you've done is is you've used Paul to just enlighten us on on how to keep the church orderly, and and kind of given us the motivation to do things with excellence, and that and that he also talked about love and he talked about tongues and and about prophecy and about gifts and how we can use these things to glorify you and to help other people, and Lord, that's my prayer, is that. Whatever our gifting may be, be it be it one of the three types of tongues that Phil talked about, may may it be prophecy, whatever it is, that we can all engage in these gifts with love, and that you could just use us to to affect our community and just to love on other people. Lord, we we and we love you, and we thank you for all these things. We ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Um, guys, we're going to wrap it up there. I did want to say Phil had to step out, and so did Daniel. They had some things they had to get to. Um, Phil wanted to mention a spiritual gifts test, actually, um, that we've come across that's pretty cool. It's pretty simple. Um, if you go to giftstest.com, it's just G-I-F-T-S-T-E-S-T.com. Um, it's a pretty simple spiritual gifts test, and um, you just sign up. You put your name in, first la- first name, last name, email address. You can choose to put your denomination or not, um, and that's pretty much it. So you take the test, and then it just emails you your results. You can hang on to them because it's easy to forget them sometimes. Uh, it chooses your top five out of all the questions that it, that it lists for you, and I've hung on to mine for a year or something already. But uh, he talked about it this last Sunday, but just wanted to remind you guys again giftstest.com go check that out if you'd like to uh, just do a little exploration into seeing what God has gifted you with so um, that's it we're going to wrap up there but guys we thank you again so much for joining us Um, stay humble and stay true to each other show the love of God to each other and we'll talk to you next week 